which is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruin. Father God, we, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. We thank you for the blessing of this place where we can come together and open your word together and, and join in um, learning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us today. We ask that you would give us uh, wisdom today. As we open the epistles of John, I ask... Holy Spirit, that you would, uh, you would be the great guide, the great teacher. Lord, I, I plan on giving very little commentary this morning by way of just introducing First John. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, uh, you would work on our behalf, in our hearts, to bring the light of your word to clarity in our life. Father, we, uh, we, didn't, we didn't carve out this hour or two hours in our day to leave here the same way. We're here, Lord, to, to be changed. And so, Lord, grant us that request that we would be sharpened by your word. We pray in Jesus' name, our great cornerstone. Amen. Good evening, beloved. We uh, we have a new letter from the apostle from the apostle John. John is getting very old now. He's in his nineties. He's the only remaining apostle. As you know, all the others who walked with Jesus have been killed because of their testimony. It's a very important letter that we hear. What John has to say today. And don't worry, this letter is not, not as long as his, his gospel account. We won't be here all night. And I, I went ahead and, and read the letter earlier today. You're going to notice that it isn't written to the lost like the gospel seems to be. This letter is, is for house churches just like ours. And I know that when, when Paul has written, you sometimes have had a hard time following his logic and his theological arguments. But John's letter's different. I think, I think it's going to sound a lot like a conversation. Maybe a conversation with, with a loving grandfather. But like any good grandfather in their 90s, I think John realizes that, that he doesn't have time to mince words. So be ready. Be ready for him to, to get right to the point. He knows the struggles we are facing. He knows we face persecution like the others do. But he also knows that we have some among us who are challenging the truth. John walked with the way, watched the truth be crucified, and saw the risen light. He leaned upon the chest of the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. John was even called the Beloved One. We can trust 
that his testimony is true. And here's what his letter says. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him There is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have as an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says he abides with him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness has passed away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the father. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away also in its lusts. 
but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they were not all of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. And what you heard from the beginning abides in you. You also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As you know, the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you abide in Him. Now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins And in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him sins. No one who sins has seen Him nor knows Him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as He is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. Because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the devil, the evil one, and slew him, slew his brother, And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren. If the world hates you, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does that love of God abide in him? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Every now and then, you can't depend on old stuff. How's that, Bruce? Is that good? All right. I'm going to turn this down a little bit. Always be prepared. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by, his, by this that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we 
If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because, we, because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know that and have believed the love of God which has for us God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever loves the Father loves the children born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and observe his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I did not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, that he who is born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols.
Turn our lights on there, Mike. It's a, it's a no-no to try and read a whole letter of the New Testament in church. Last week on Easter, I told you it's a no-no to preach out of Kings, especially the spot in Kings that we were in. But in preaching class, I tell you, don't ever try and read more than just a few verses because the people can't take it. Was it a little hard for you to get through the whole letter? And this is a short letter. Um, I'll let you know when I'm going to read through Romans. You can take that day off. What I had hoped as we are introducing the epistles of John is that you would get a little bit of a sense of what those first century Christians around 90 A.D. would have felt like when in their little church, wherever they would gather in whosoever house, their upper room, on a Sunday, because now at this time they started to transition from the Sabbath, which is Saturday, the day of rest when they would gather. Uh, the, the New Testament Christians would begin to gather now on, on Sunday in celebration of the first day of the week, in celebration of, of Christ's resurrection. Am I, do I need to do anything with this? Okay, it's good? It's not going to blow up or anything on me? Oh, it's good. Uh, so, it's probably a Sunday evening, and when I started out, beloved Good evening. You were probably thinking, Pastor's off his rocker. We need to open the curtains. But, but no, my intent was to put, put you in that room. When those first century Christians got a new letter from one of the apostles, an elderly apostle at this time, a guy who's in his 90s probably, he's the only one of the apostles that's left at this time because the, all the others have been crucified. He was the, the beloved. He was the one who was said to lean on the chest of Jesus. He had a special place. For whatever reason, that's another sermon for another day. He had a special place in Jesus' heart. And among all the disciples, he, he had a special role to play. And this is the guy who's sending you a letter. And you're a struggling house church. And you're gathered together probably on a Sunday evening because the first day of the week is a work day for you. And so you probably worked all day and then you, you got together with the body of Christ. And you've heard that they... That they've received a new letter, that your elders, your deacons have gotten a letter, and it's a letter from, from John, the beloved one. And there's been a lot of questions going on in your church about, about truth and what is truth and, and what really happened back when, when, when Jesus was walking with the disciples and what really happened at the crucifixion and how about the resurrection? I mean, what really happened? And John was there and he sent you a letter. He sent you a letter. And like, and like light in, the, in a dark room, you, you can't wait to hear what he has to say. And, and we have a hard time with that, right? Because we, we have these. And, and some of you, you had, you had light out here in the darkness, didn't you? On your iPhones and your iPads, you were, you, were, you were reading along there. But you wouldn't have had that in that room. You would have been leaning forward intently trying to, trying to grab hold of every word of the, uh, the apostle who was remaining, that walked with Jesus, that, that, that heard him, that, 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 that hugged him, that touched him, that saw him risen from the dead. And he sent you a letter. And so you would have sat content at the end of a work day, the first day of the week, 
in a room, maybe a small room, maybe a room not as comfortable as this, maybe not in seats, but on the floor. Maybe you stood in the back to hear what, what the great grandfather of the faith, the Apostle John, had to say to you. And his words are different than other letters you've received. It's not so theological. It's, it's more like hearing from a family friend. And he's going to talk about some of your struggles. And, and there's going to be conviction. Some of it, even if he doesn't mention your name, is going to feel like it's written right to you. But maybe we don't, we don't feel that way, right? I mean, we have this. We can read it anytime we want. And, and, and some of us, including myself, were thinking, this was probably not a good idea around the middle of chapter 3, especially as my light was going out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, I wonder what they're thinking. Are they going to make it all the way? I don't think those first Christians had a problem. Do you? The Word of God is a light in the darkness. My prayer as, as your pastor is that we see in, in all the epistles of John, but as we jump into 1 John here over the next few weeks, we see the value in God's Word. The value in the comfort of God's Word. The value of, of light in the darkness. From an author... Who saw the risen light, walked with the way, heard from the very mouth of the truth, was with the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. He touched him. And we can trust him. He was there. We can trust that he's got truth for us. So I've got, a lot of, I've got a lot of introduction for you as we enter into the epistles, but I want to give you just this morning as we close five reasons that John wrote 1 John. You can jot these down in your bulletin if you'd like, or you could just absorb them. Five quick reasons that John wrote, at least 1 John. Number one, and these are directly from him. In 1 John 1, 3, he says, That which we have seen and heard... Declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The key word in number one is fellowship. It's the word koinonia in the Greek and it means to be made a partner. It means joint participation. John's desire in writing this letter in his own words is that we would gain fellowship from hearing what he has to say. Fellowship with one another because he's going to tell us that that's important. And we'll unpack that. But also fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. So he writes that we might have fellowship, number one. He also writes, 1 John 1, verse 4, that we might have joy. And these things write we unto you that our joy may be full. I'm glad he wrote for our joy. Anybody need help with joy and happiness in this, in this dark world? I hope that's one of his intents because I need it. When you're in fellowship with other believers and the Lord, there is, there's real happiness. You're at peace with God and have peace with God. So he wrote that we might have fellowship and that we might have joy. Number three, he wrote that we would not sin. First John 2.1 My little children, these things I write unto you 
pretty clear, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, a lawyer, if you will, and his name is Jesus Christ, the righteousness. The goal of the believer is to keep himself or herself from sin. We're called to live a holy and pure life. Holiness and happiness are inseparable. So he's written that we might have fellowship. He's written that we might have joy. And he's written that we might not sin. Number four. He's written that we might be victorious over the deceivers. 1 John 2.26 He says this, These things I have written unto you concerning them that some translations say seduce you. It's an interesting word. It's the Greek word planeo, which means to lead astray from the truth. It means to to dangle bait as you would a fish, something flashy, something attractive, in order to draw or lure you away. And John's going to say that there are those who have some good-sounding words that, that might seem to be truth, but they're not truth. And they're luring you away. They're seducing you away from the truth. I've written that you might be victorious over those deceivers. Finally, he's written that we might know that we are saved. Anybody ever wondered, on a bad day, I don't know if I'm really who I say I am. I wonder if God thinks I am who I say I am. John, John knew that would be a question in our mind. That there would be days in our life where we, we feel so near to Him that it's obvious that we are in Christ. But then there are days in our life when, when maybe because of the deceivers and, and, the, and the twisting of truth and the seducing away from the truth that we've been taught, we feel like, well, maybe, maybe I don't really believe this. Or maybe I'm really not in Christ. And, and, and the gap between us and the light gets, gets further and further. And we feel more and more like we're in darkness than we are in light. And John says, I want, to, I, want to, I want to make very bright and clear the truth of the light so that you know if you're in the light and you're not. Anybody interested in hearing what he has to say about that? Probably. R.A. Torrey, old pastor, scholar, things have been named after him. He said this, There is no book in the whole Bible that is more profitable for Christians to study and especially young Christians, than the first epistle of John. For this epistle was written by John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for the specific purpose of meeting the needs of young Christians. And you may have have been a Christian now for many years, but sometimes in the darkness of this world, we we feel like infants, don't we, when it comes to truth. So I'm going to pray that God's light through 1 John and the rest of these epistles as we jump in, shine very bright among us. And you come back. Because I would agree with R.A. Torrey that this may be one of the most helpful and hopeful books in all of your New Testament. So let's pray for ourselves as we jump in. Father God, we thank You that not only did Your Son come as light in the darkness, but thank You that Your Word brings light even today, into our darkness. Thank You, Father, that uh, that You gave us, over all of these centuries, a Word 
that is trustworthy. A testimony that is true. From those who who sat with your son. Who saw him arrested and abused and crucified. Buried. But who also saw him alive and well. Who saw his wounds and his scars. Saw him raised in hope. Hope that is that is for us. So as we're coming off the celebration of the resurrection, our Easter, Lord, we're looking for greater light. We're going to the beloved disciple, the beloved apostle, John, for a true and faithful testimony. Holy Spirit, we ask that over the coming weeks you would give us a love for your word. Give us a love for your word. Give us an appreciation for the letters that are composed by those who sat and watched and heard and touched and knew your son. Lord, in the darkness of our world, the right here, the right now, not, not, the, not the first century, not the many years ago, Father, we, we have our own stuff right here and right now. And, and we want to be different. We want to be different for your glory. We want to be free from, from a, some of the darkness that seems to engulf us in this world. Some of, the own, uh, some of our own sin that's deep within us. Some of the darkness that's, that's still down, hidden in, in parts of our heart. That we don't want to, that we don't want to go to, Father, in, in basements, in attics of our heart that we don't want to, that we don't want to admit are there. But in, in faith, whatever little faith we can muster right now, Father, we pray that that Your Word would bring light. That the truth of of the testimony of John would give us hope and strength for a new day. I echo the words of the Old Testament prophet. These, these words that we have in our hand, they're not just idle words. They are our very life. By faith, we, we say that that is true. And we'll build our life on this book that testifies about your son. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.